0: go back for another Tim Talk by my wonderful pond. Man, it's a wild day, folks, today. Uh, the thunder and lightning is going nuts. There's smoke in the air. There's fires in the region, which make me a little uneasy. It's the one thing that could really damage our land. It's fires, so we, we pray long and hard that it won't happen. Um, and this this uh, Thunder and lightning scares a couple of our dogs, so they're off hiding. Um, I kind of like it, though. It's such an amazing feeling. That It's a primal, primal feeling, though. I, I did a talk on wildness, and uh, I, I think when you're out, the thunder and lightning, as long as you're safe, no one wants to get hit by it, um, relatively safe, uh, that wildness within us comes up And we feel connected to it all. I think the thunder and lightning is an igniter for that. And I think wildness throughout these Tim Talks is important to remember. is vital. We have a wild man and a wild woman that lives within us. And we have to give them space to be wild. Or we go crazy. Now, the Tim Talk I want to do right now... It's on the importance of curiosity, and it won't be very long. Um, But I was just talking about it, the previous one, a little bit. Often when we teach in this school, we use kind of as a metaphor, we say, be like a child. You've ever watched a young child in the woods, or even in a house, even before they walk even, or after? Everything they're curious about. And I got this dog, Colin, here. He's curious. Every single thing in the world, he has to check it out. Every place you go, he has to go. And he he never stops. His curiosity is so powerful. And you watch children in nature. and They'll look under a leaf, and they'll look on top of a leaf, and they'll feel a leaf, and they'll smell a leaf. They'll look under a rock, over a rock. The world they discover under rocks alone is just phenomenal. It can take you hours of study. Um, they look up trees. They want to climb every tree, no matter how dangerous. They want to get into the water. They want to feel it. They want to roll in it. They want to swim in it. They're curious about the world they live in. And I think one of the things I've noticed is we have, we somehow or another have permission when we're children to be curious. And that's truly one of the ways we learn to live on the earth, in the world, in the human world, uh, in the natural world. Without curiosity, we would never learn how to live. And yet, I think as we get older and we start to develop our logical brain and move out of our, our feeling part of who we are, um, <coughs> we, we put our curiosity to sleep a little bit. And then we get really busy, we, get, we go to school, we grow up, we get jobs, we get families, this and that, you know, we do the, the thing of life that we all do. And our curiosity takes a real back door. And yet, there's no reason for that. If we, if we consciously think of curiosity as a living being, as something that we can ignite within ourselves and let it sprout and grow, it'll it'll take us down pathways that we could have never imagined and we'll learn so much and life will be so much more enjoyable you you've got to almost develop a a relationship with curiosity like like i just said it's like a living being so so when when it comes up you don't put it to sleep or ignore it or stay busy you let it guide you and it, it could be as simple as if I'm sitting here talking to you and I, I hear a noise in the tree and I look and I'm curious and I look and I really study it for a moment. But where does it lead me? And in the pathway of, of being led, I see the patterns in the tree and the shapes and the colors and maybe smell it, the beauty, the overall beauty of the tree. And as I'm looking, then maybe there's a, the noise was a beautiful... Robin up there waiting to just say hi to me. That's it, you know? Just a simple nod between the two of us, an acknowledgement that we both share this earth together. That's a wonderful, sacred moment. That if I had never listened to my curiosity or paid attention to it, then I would have never looked and had that moment with that Robin. It's like when you're sitting in a meadow, like I was the other day, and there were thousands of dragonflies now it's not hard for me to be curious about dragonflies i love those guys man i mean they can flap all their wings at separate times and they're just powerful beings Um, but i'd laid in the meadow and i started to watch one dragonfly and then i'd go to another and another and then i'd see a couple mating and then i'd see a couple jousting one would go into the trees and fly back around and in following them i would see so much more I noticed um, uh, on, the, on the side, a wild turkey was there with some babies that I would have never seen if the dragonfly hadn't led me there. And I noticed a beautiful area of the forest I hadn't noticed with an old dead tree that I thought, well, maybe later I'll photograph that tree in the right light. And it's not just you notice more, but you enjoy more. You're enjoy- when you're curious you're reveling in the joy of life you're reveling in the earth you're you're experiencing the beauty of the planet the curiosity is often the pathway that leads us to it speaking of pathways curiosity will lead you down different pathways and who knows what you will find as you go down that path but if you always ignore it if you always say no either verbally or in, inside yourself The world that you're missing, it's sad. And the saddest part is that not only are you missing just rich experiences that can build medicine of of life's experience within you, but you might be missing great teachings, great ignitable moments within your being that that can set you off on life journeys that you could never imagine. Some of the greatest things that make up who you are as a person if you were able to track them back to their beginning could have been a one curious moment that sent you on a journey and got you to where you are in your life now. Think about that. And you can also use curiosity not just in nature, but in very practical, like in school and in work. If you're a very curious student, you're going to learn much more than one who is not. Because you're going to you're going to look at more books, you're going to ask more questions of your teachers and when beautiful things show up like pictures or writings or people tell of experiences you're going to be more interested in going deeper into them. Also curiosity is a wonderful gift you can give to another human being. Be curious in a loving healthy way about another human being that you're with. What what made them who they are what experiences have they had that they could share with you the curiosity being willing to ask questions about it being willing, being willing to listen be a good listener and, and letting the curiosity take you into the depth of their words and their story letting a person tell you their story being curious enough to let a person tell you their story to be one of the most greatest gifts you can give to another human being letting them tell their story and listening, holding space and curiosity. And in that story, some gem might pop out for you that you could take and run with in your life, and it could change you forever. We are curious. Human beings, it's one of our gifts. It's only when we put it to sleep and don't allow it to come forth that that we don't have it. If we give it freedom, it's, it's going to do its thing. And then you just kind of go along with the ride. And the greatest teacher of all is nature. And watching young children and even babies, dogs and things like that, they are endlessly curious. So curiosity, make it a medicine that lives within you. Make it a living being. Oh. Welcome to another Tim Talk. Um, I think we have like 40 of them now so far, and uh, 86 people f- follow them. That's pretty cool. It's pretty amazing. I hope they're helping you all. Um, I know it's crazy COVID time. It's hard for people to uh, get in any kind of a routine that's normal. And gosh, let nature help you. So this first talk I want to give is called the Art of Mentoring. And what I want to talk about, first of all, what what I want to say about mentoring is it is vital to the growth of a human being. Every single animal, tree and plant gets mentored in the the way that nature does it. And for human beings to develop into good people who live from kindness and from service and from love and from purpose and a reason for being on this earth bigger than ourselves, we need to be mentored. And like so many things that nature has taught us, and that our ancestors taught us, they were masters at mentoring. We have let these things go in our modern world. Some on purpose, some because we're lazy, some for who knows why it's confusing, because it's so good for us. But we have to take it serious and bring it back. So I ask everyone who's looking at me, do you seriously think of yourself as a mentor? And if so, who are you mentoring? And you might think, oh, mentors could only be elders. That's a whole other subject, is a respect of elders in our society. That's another Tim Talk. But I'm not talking about that, although elders do mentor. I'm talking about you can be a mentor if you're 10. You can mentor a kid who's 6 or 7. But usually you don't start mentoring until you get a little bit of life experience behind you and you can start to share. But anywhere, I think, in the later teens onward, you can take mentoring seriously. I think you can really come into your own with it in the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. You can become masterful. Um, and it's really not difficult it's really simple and it's incredibly uh, fulfilling for the soul and for you and the person that you mentor alright, so I'm going to start by telling you a little story about my own be, my own self being mentored growing up I have had a good life I think, a very good life I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it I'm, I'm actually in love with it if I had to do it all over again there's very little I'd change and I'm here in my most beautiful place in the world. You're looking at some of it, a Bark TV behind me. And I can owe a lot of this back to my mentors. I can track it back to my mentors. And my mentors, uh, they started with me when I was 8, 9, 10, in that period of time. And I had three serious mentors. One was a man named Bo Almroth, which I might have already spoken about him before. And Bo Almroth... Uh, was a family friend, and he was the father of my best friend. And he was an avid backpacker and lover and seeker of the wilderness and the wild ways. Truly in love with nature. And he gave that to me. By taking me on countless hikes, by taking me on one of the most formulative trips of my life, a road trip at 12 years old in the summer when we were off from school, we rented, a, he rented a, a truck, an old truck, or bought it, I'm not sure which it was, and him and my friend and I went uh, to 35 states. We backpacked in many, and we went into big cities, and we, we were required along the way to read books and to study um, about nature. We visited countless national parks. Um, we ended up full circle back at Mount Shasta. I did a rite of passage on the mountain where I created a code of honor to live my life by. I know I've spoken about this. It's worth saying more and more. And he stuck with me. And I remember in my later teens, as I grew older, we grew apart a little bit as I went into my teen years and, and then all of a sudden I got, I was told that he was sick and he died of cancer really quickly. And I went and I gave part of the eulogy for him at a young age. It was so sad. Um, but he was there. The timing was right. And it was he mostly led by example. And that was mentoring for me. And he also held me accountable. He, he held me accountable to my word. Uh, he made me give my best when I was backpacking, living and doing wild things. He made me do them well. He taught me the deep, love of nature, just being out and in loving nature without always having to do something. He instilled that in me, and, and it never left, and it formulated my life. I had an uncle named Uncle Bill, who lived in Colorado in the Rocky Mountains. He was on my mother's side of the family. He was her brother. And, oh man, he was a hunter and a fisherman. And unlike so many hunters, he was an honorable hunter. He hunted with honor. In other words, he ate what he killed. He worked hard to get what he killed. And he used it all. Um, and he, every time he ever killed anything, he cried. He cried. And I cried now, too, when I used to hunt, which I don't now. And fishermen, oh, my God. The thing I really fell in love with was fishing. And Uncle Bill taught me to fish. And there was nothing more enjoyable to me and more connecting to nature and wandering up small mountain creeks trying to catch trout. I remember one time I was in a fishing hole that was created by a beaver and he was there and he was laughing and I saw a beaver swimming into its den and he said, go get it. And so I went, I swam into the beaver den, uh, up, down and up into it. I come out into this dry space and there's a beaver with three babies. One of the most memorable moments of my life. She didn't try to attack me, because I'm sure because I had love in my heart, and I didn't bug her. I looked, and I went, whoa, and I swam out, and then went back to fishing. Um, And he took me, he had this little, like, off-road thing, what's called a tote goat, and uh, I guess it was like the the old days where the equivalent of it today would be like a mountain bike, a mountain motorcycle, and we went everywhere, on every dirt road. We just took off. Nothing stopped him. And that was so fun. And I remember I'd grab onto him. He had a big old belly. And I'd hold onto him. He'd be smoking a big fat cigar. And I remember I fell in love with cigars because Uncle Bill smoked them. And uh, we just had the greatest time ever. And, and I remember he, at the end of the cigar, he always chewed up and eat it. I know, that's so gross. But as a kid, it was like, what? You know, you loved it. I loved it. I couldn't believe it. So crazy, I know but he took mentoring seriously. He was teaching me through example and through experience. And my third major mentor um, was my grandfather who lived on a homestead in, in the uh, Mission Mountains, or a branch of the Rocky Mountains in Montana, and get this, on the Flathead Indian Reservation. And that was mind-boggling, mind-boggling. Um, a tall, small little town, how it got there, I'm not sure. Probably the, the Native Indian people uh, sold the land to someone early on, and they built a town But it was surrounded by the reservation. And the Native Americans there and, and the, the, the local people all got along well. And my grandfather, he built the roads. He built the dirt roads through the town and through the area. And I could go out every day and hang out, and he taught me how to homestead. He taught me how to feed cows and water them, and he taught me how to take care of chickens and pigs, um, and sheep and goats. And he taught me how to trim trees and how to garden and grow grow plants and run a homestead. And they lived in this whole old house. It was so cool. Um, and I, because of who he, who he was, and he was so respected, all the Native Indian people there loved me. And. Uh, They took me on. So I got the benefit of not only being mentored by him, but all of them. And I fell in love with uh, the Native American way of life, and I often dreamed uh, of living like they did. and I often felt really sad and empathic about what had happened to them. Even now I speak and I feel tears coming because it didn't have to be that way, that they were all wiped out by our oncoming march from the European people, my ancestors Irish. Um, It could have been different, you know, and it wasn't, and we can never get that back. And That is a, just to deviate a little, that is a wound to the soul of the earth. It's a wound to the soul of each and every one of us that that culture was lost um, in such a horrific way there was no real effort to care for it. Even today, there's nothing really. I think I, just to deviate a little more, I think if our country had good leadership, it would be a very beginning of a healing to just admit what our European ancestors did to the Native Americans and apologize for it. Um, there's not a lot more we could do but right now that I know of, but, but admit it, tell the truth, learn from it, and there's something in an apology that comes from the heart that allows for healing to take place. And then good things come from there. That's a dream I have. Um, so, that, I, w- I wanted to say that, so, and then my father mentored me in a different way. He he worked hard and he, he took care of our family. And my mother mentored me by showing me love. She showed me truly what the power of love, and I mean that. I mean that. It's no... Very serious about this. Um, And my father was consistent. He was constantly there for me, always loving me through all my ups and downs and in-betweens. And just a hard-working man with good values, love, kindness in his heart. So that's some of my story. Now I want to break off here, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to start talking about mentoring in detail. Thank you for listening. Hope.